Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. In the fashion world, there are a handful of times that you run across an up-and-coming designer that is so earnest, articulate, and talented that you make a secret wish in your heart that you hope they'll make it big. And that is exactly how I felt after talking with the 28-year-old designer, Kevin Germanier, for this podcast. I had seen his work before firsthand at press day presentations in Paris, and Kevin's vibrant, beaded, and bold designs always stood out. But what also made them stand out in my mind was when I discovered that his garments were of the luxury upcycled variety. Kevin's made-to-measure and limited-edition collections are as far away from the hippie hemp and organic cotton Birkenstock-wearing image that sustainable fashion is still strongly associated with as you can get. This Swiss-born designer who graduated from Central St. Martins and launched his signature line in 2018 has found a way to make sustainable fashion look sexy, look feminine, and look fun. His sculptural silhouettes and love of embellishments firmly place his work in the statement dressing category, but isn't it nice to know that his commitment to conscientious designs sees his garments covered in shimmering upcycled crystals from Swarovski and the fabric comes from offshoots that are getting a second lease on life. Not surprisingly, Kevin's vivid designs have already been worn by the likes of Lady Gaga, Bjork, and K-pop star Sumi. Also, the leading fashion e-commerce platform Matches Fashion picked up Kevin's debut collection for its site and has been carrying it ever since. So it looks like he's off to a very strong start, and maybe that secret wish of mine might actually come true. Just on a technical side note, I did want to let all you listeners know that Kevin and I did our interview over Zoom video, so don't be surprised by a couple of very minor audio issues. And if you happen to be more of a visual learner, feel free to head over to my signature YouTube channel and watch the video version of this podcast in action. Now, come with me to discover the glamorous, colorful, and eco-friendly world of Kevin Germanier. Kevin, merci beaucoup. This is so great. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. It's me. Thank you for having me. So you're 27, you're just starting out, there's lots of buzz around you, but I still want to kind of get, go back to the beginning and can you tell me a little bit about where your love of fashion first started? So I'm Swiss. I turned 28 actually this year. Ah, um, you're old then, old hair. I know, I know. Tell me about it. I grew up in Switzerland in a very conservative village. It's on the French side of Switzerland, so it's south. I did all my school there and then it was time to choose a university. So I told my parents I wanted to do fashion and they said you can do it if you stay in Switzerland, you know. So we have two schools in Switzerland, two good ones. One is it, uh, in the north. Uh, it's German speaking or it's in Geneva, French speaking. So obviously I choose uh, Geneva. Went there, everything was um, great. I was having fun, but I was turning 20 and I asked myself, are you happy where you are right now? Like, do you want more? You know, kind of like a life checkup, if that makes any sense. 
And I always wanted to go to CSM in London because I grew up watching John Galliano, Riccardo Ticci, Stella McCartney. They all went there. Uh, it was my little boy dream. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try. Worst case scenario, they're not going to uh, accept me. And, and it's fine. I can just stay in, stay in Switzerland. Plot twist, they offered me a seat in BA Women's Wear. So my first reaction was like, oh no, I have to tell my parents now. Because I didn't know. <laughs> no one knew about it, just my flatmate. And I, I woke up panicked and then I told her, oh my God, I got the email. I, I, I can go. And then she was like, oh no, you have to tell your parents. I was like, right? Anyway, told my parents and I think they did the best thing. They literally, I, I will always remember what they told me. They said, if you want to go to CSM, you have to find the money to get there and to go there and study there. So I was like, Okay, well, I was a little bit angry at the time, but I found the money and uh, I think it was the best experience from my parents because also I could show them that this was not just a dream. I really wanted to go to CSM and to study fashion. But there, you know, CSM is CSM. It was the, I had the best time, honestly. And I started upcycling my bed sheets for my project but I never ever considered myself as a sustainable designer you know I was doing that was that just because, because you had to pay for it yourself and you're like okay I don't have any fabric I'll use my bed sheets yeah exactly there were no marketing value behind it or I was literally just doing that because I could not afford the expensive calico or white cotton mm -hmm. so I started like that and at CSM, you have one year, which is a placement year. Mm -hmm. And I went to Hong Kong for an internship there. And one day, my uh, company asked me to go a little bit um, in the, I don't want to say the doji area, but the more industrial yes. uh, area. Okay. And I saw someone. So bear in mind, I grew up with uh, John Galliano at Christian Dior. So everything shiny is like, you know, like, oh. <laughs> Fantastic for me. And I saw this man and he was throwing away beads on the ground because it's glass beads. So if you want to get rid of them, you have to destroy, I mean, re, re uh, how do you say in English? Melt, them? Melt, yes. You have to melt all the yellow beads together, all the blue beads together, the pink, etc., etc. So it's a very expensive process. So what they prefer doing is just like digging a hole and just get rid of the glass beads. And I was like, hold on, just give it to me. I'll find a way to make it work. And this is how I really started Germanier. Really, it was very organic. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think in my mind, I was like, okay, we reached the point where what I considered as a little boy, like the synonym of glamour nowadays is trash. Mm -hmm. So it really kind of hit in my brain. And I was like, okay, there's something that I have to do there. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So, so that was a long... <laughs> the stuff you saw as you were growing up that were so glamorous, those pieces now are in the trash or no longer... Is that what you mean by that? That those pieces are no longer... They're demodé or people are throwing them away because they're no longer of the epoque. And so now... Okay. Yeah, the, the material, you know, like all those beaded... Um, or even Ricardo Ticci when he was at Givenchy always using those beads. Mm -hmm. Those beads that... I used, it was style.com at the time. I was going there, looking at the picture. And then I was very interested in the details. So really like that material is considered, 
as trash. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? Yes. So it really, it. yeah, it was very, uh, uh, definitely um, important step in the way I developed Germany. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that development because one of the one of the sticking points, the things that I asked, you know, um, Marine Sayer and other people who, who focus more on the sustainable and the upcycling and all of that is how do you scale that kind of a project. I mean, what's what's that's kind of the rub. How do you scale something sustainable? And then I have a follow up question, but already answer that question to me. How do you think about how you would grow your business? Yeah. So I think there is a misunderstanding about what we do at Germany because when I market my product, it's very glamorous, it's over the top, it's very shiny, it's uh, evening wear. So people think it's just a one off, exactly. but we can replicate addresses, I don't know, like. 20 times if if I have the material, you know, so it's really maybe a misunderstanding about it. I think I'm a strong believer that the new luxury is to be transparent mm -hmm. and honesty. If a buyer, let's say my very first collection that I showed sponsored by LVMH with Alexandre Capelli and Guillaume from DLX, they both helped me to do my first presentation. When Natalie Kingham came from Matches Fashion and bought everything, I had no clue what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I told Guillaume, I told Alex I had I was like, I, I don't know, it's my first time. But Natalie was smart enough to say, well, instead of producing, I don't know, 2,000 products, let's focus on 100. Mm -hmm. And then this is how we scale. I think I can do, people are not realizing the reality of it. When we're talking about waste, we're not talking about like two meters of organza. Mm -hmm. We are talking about five warehouse in Bangkok full of organza. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's easy to source nowadays because now it's like um, people talk about Germany to someone that talk to someone. So, you know, it's kind of like a, a, um, a spider web. Yeah. But in the beginning, we just started with Marché Saint-Pierre in Paris and we could source 10 meters of organza, of cotton. So I think people are not realizing that it is possible. It's way more challenging. Mm -hmm. I give you that. But how rewarding it is at the end of the day to say well we did it you know uh, yeah i know i was looking on matches fashion on your collection and i and i went like all right so this is an amazing dress with shimmering beads coming out of an open hole in the dress and i went okay so there's going to be one of these and it's going to be sold out and then i saw sizes i was really surprised i'm like there's like options here so that's fantastic did you feel like this idea i mean the the, the idea of sustainability was already really moving in the fashion world before the the quarantine and the and the, the virus hit the world and we had this pandemic. Do you think that once we come out the other side of it, that that will be even more important with the industry? Or do you think that you think that this is going to somehow affect that in a more negative way? I, as a Swiss person, I always try to stay neutral. <laughs> However, <laughs> in this situation, I get a little bit pissed because uh, before the virus situation, sustainability was seen as a trend and for me when is saving the world becoming how is that trendy to save the planet you know what i mean i give you an example in paris you live in paris as well there's an organic juice bar great that's brilliant however they give you their organic juice in a plastic cup with a plastic straw 
So, you know, it's just like people are using sustainability as a marketing tool. And for me, it really does not make any sense because the way I always, so now it's the artist talking, but you know, like the way I create is by finding ways. This is how I personally like to challenge myself and how I feel creative. Nowadays with this situation, I do yeah, I strongly believe that people will, will be more aware and they literally are confronted to just toilet paper. Like <laughs> stuff that we thought we, we, it was easy to source, you know, like it's toilet paper, it's pasta. Oh, we're fine. We don't need to think about that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's so sad. I feel so sad that we had to reach this breaking point. It's, it's a traumatic situation where people are dying. And then finally, the human are like, oh, yeah, actually, we have to change something because we cannot carry on that way. My worries is that maybe we will have a few months that people will think about it and then they will not think about it. Mm-hmm. But as Ursula de Castro said, our reality was not normal. You know what I mean? The way we were doing things were not normal. So hopefully we'll get to the normal way of consuming, which is sustainable. Well, I love what you mentioned about your creative process. That's one thing I ask most of the designers. Is it, uh, is it, you know, doing a mood board? Is it doing, you know, having a muse to, to start that creative process? But for you, clearly with your, your DNA being in upcycling, it is the fabrics that kind of push you in a direction. Is that correct? That's correct. So the way at school they teach you how to create a collection is um, you get your mood board from your mood board you get your color palette from your color palette you go buy your fabric i do the opposite i find the trash the beads the zip it could be buttons it could be a lining it could be a strap then i have my color palette and from my color palette i have my mood board so i do the opposite way of uh, what we learn. I never know. Like every season I have journalists telling me, oh, can you give us a sneak peek of next season? I would love to, but I have no idea because I don't know what I'm going to find. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very challenging, but uh, it's it's the beauty of it, I think. But aesthetically speaking, you are not a, you know, a granola bar eating, you know, Bir- Birkenstock wearing kind of designer. It's not that kind of, you know, earthy mm-hmm. version of sustainability. You are... It's loud and proud and statement-making clothing. So as far as that goes, the aesthetic is always the same. But talk to me about that, especially as you you come from a kind of, you were saying, more reserved background with your family. To go something so over the top and colorful and full of vibrance and joy. Yeah. So um, when I was at CSM, my three first years, my teachers keep telling me, oh my God, you're so constipated. You're so Swiss. Let it out. Just let it loose. Make mistakes. And I was like, oh no, I'm just going to use black. You know, I was so like afraid of colors, of, I don't know, crazy shapes. I was playing it safe. I was doing well, but it was just, it, it, it was not interesting enough, you know. And for my final year, I was so fed up to hear you're so constipated. I was like, you know what? I'm going to show what I've got. <laughs> and uh, I made the most colorful and shiny uh, collection and it was liberating. Yeah. Like I, I, it's funny because I was uh, talking with Loïc Prigent in the very beginning of Germanier. Mm-hmm. And he told me, uh, oh, so you're kind of like, you're a colorist. And I was like, well, I guess so. But, you know, I never, 
what you guys see is not how I, it's my work. I do it. I don't see it. You know, I'm always working with colors. And uh, last season, actually like uh, three months ago, Guillaume came to review the collection and he's telling me, Kevin, you have to edit it out. And I was like, what do you mean? It's so plain. And he was like, Kevin, it's purple, it's green, it's shiny, there's Swarovski, so you have to edit it out. I think my mind cannot see clearly anymore. Does it make sense? You know, it's just like, I need more, more, more. But um, I don't know, maybe because I always, from my childhood, I've been raised to be le petit prince, you know, like the, the perfect skin, the perfect hair, like uh, to act properly like a good Swiss boy. And now I'm just like, you know what? Let's do it. Do it well, but with my heart in it. Whereas before, it was maybe more shy. Mm-hmm. That makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I have to say, somebody who's just 28 years old, the fact that you've gotten, let's see, everybody from Rihanna to Beyonce to Kristen Stewart to Taylor Swift wearing your clothes, that's those are like you know, monumental gets at such an early point in your career. Can you talk about, I think York was your first. Can you talk a little bit about each of those moments and and you and how that kind of shifted how people saw you or shifted your career your business it's you you highlight a very good point i think in the very beginning when it was with bjork and now like after five seasons i find myself not being a designer only but i'm a ceo so it's something that i want to highlight is that maybe i spend like 10% 10% of my time designing now because now I, I am sourcing, I'm dealing with production, marketing, accounting. So, you know, but I love my life. I love my job. It's just, it's, I think with the star, it's the same. In the very beginning, when we started with Bjork, uh, I was still at school. And then Eda, her stylist, she reached out to me on my Instagram. So it was super organic. And then she uh, wanted to wear my BA. And I was like, yeah, let's see about that. You know, it was so weird. I I was like, it's not going to happen. I know that they have like millions of options. Why would she just get these dresses? Well, she chose us. And Eda was very, very kind because she did uh, give me a feedback. And she said, the reason why Bjork choose your dress is because it's sustainable yet glamorous and I was like oh so she knew about it mm-hmm. so really it, I think it was a very good moment in my career where I when I realized okay as a student you think it's only like the the Rihanna the Lady Gaga but that person the stylist job is so important mm-hmm. and they're willing to dress their client in a much more sustainable and ethical way than before it was the same with Kristen Stewart it was the same with Sunny she's a k-pop star and she's a makeup uh, Dior uh, ambassador you know what I mean it's really important you we only see the 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 stress and the bling bling but there's work behind it mm-hmm. I personally do love working with celebrities because it's the time where I feel like I can be more creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, after five seasons, I'm learning that my denim trousers might sell better than a fully beaded gown. It's just, it makes total sense. You know, yeah. I'm learning as well from my customer. But a very good example is that we dress something like, I think, seventh time we work with her. And she's coming back because she she 
is asking for our dresses because she cannot find this on the market. Same for Bjork. She loved the first dress, so she asked for another one for her performance at We Love Green. So, you know, it's very, we are, there's a human side behind those stars and celebrities that we that we see and i think it's very it's super optimistic well little something a little concerning about what you said a minute ago is that you're you're designing less and less you're the ceo you're doing marketing you're doing this and that and the other i guess my question to you is is do you want to be doing those other things or do you want to spend more of your time designing are you feeling pulled in all directions or are you happy to have your hand in all these different pies i'm happy i'm really happy honestly i'm so uh, lucky to make a living out of my passion. And bear in mind that my dad is uh, very involved with the Swiss army. So maybe, oh my God, it pains me to say that, but maybe I like to organize things and to see the bigger picture, mm-hmm. you know, because I've been trained by him to always think, okay, think, deal with that, deal with that, you know? And then I, I, I don't know. I think. The reason why maybe Germany is successful is because we are not overthinking. We're growing slowly but surely and everything happens organically. You know what I mean? We're not forcing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not, I'm not on my Instagram like buy a t-shirt right now. But you know what I mean? Everything happened for a reason. Of course, we have a marketing strategy. But I think you really have to understand what the customer wants, what products they want as well. And maybe from my background at Louis Vuitton, I know why pink is selling more than baby mint, for example. Or I know why black is selling more than brown. You know what I mean? So I'm a strong believer that everything happened for a reason. And I don't know. I I, I have to say with this situation right now with the virus, I, I've been knitting a lot, designing, stitching a lot. So yeah, I'm kind of getting back into design, you know? And I think also something that you have to uh, keep in mind is that everything went so fast that I I had to deal with those issues, you know, at the time. I didn't have a product manager, but step by step, now I have a product manager. Now I have a head of knitting, so I don't need to do, you know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know. I'm just super happy. That's great. I'm happy. To, it's great to see you so happy. One of the things I did want to talk about, I've spoken to some designers, um, especially those who are, who are more focused on being sustainable and green and, and fair trade, et cetera, is that they're saying, you know, I don't want to be a giant designer. I want to have my clientele. I want to make, have a nice life and, and make mm-hmm. a, a decent living, but I'm not looking to be the next John Galliano or the next, you know, mm-hmm. or, or whatever it might be. Do you, do you fall into that line or, or are you thinking big, bold and all over the world? So the reason I, I'm doing fashion is not, I'm going to be extremely honest, is not to get rich. Otherwise, I would have stayed in Switzerland and became a banker mm-hmm. or whatever cliche mm-hmm. job. The reason why I'm working in fashion is because it's the way I express myself. And I, some people paint, I create clothes. I think there's this cliche of the designer star yeah. that the new generation, we, we do not want that. If we're successful, it's because of the quality of our product. 
and it's not because we we want the fame you know it's so not sustainable mm-hmm. as 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 a plan as uh, you know as a, as a strategy i create sustainable product but i also want to have a healthy sustainable cycle in within my business mm-hmm. and within your uh, business, if, right because you're talking about work life balance where you see designers again yeah. examples of the burnout of, of past designers or the cycles with the millions of drops every every month so would you say that your generation your your um, uh, peers as you were coming up through central st martin's feel this way or feel more driven in this way that they want to have more of a balance i think people will learn it anyway mm. i think also the society require is requiring us to be more flexible more slow you, you know what i mean like it's it's i don't i i feel it's such a genuine way of dealing with stuff right now you know it i i imagine myself if i'm at school and i say oh no i just want to do this to be on the top of the magazine i think uh, my peers will just laugh at me because it's not the discussion that we're having now. Like, look at Marine Serre. I think she's a very good example. And also what I love about it is that there's no competition in between us, you know? Like, when I talk to another designer, we're not there... So how much do you sell? How much did you make? You know, it's more like, okay, how do you deal with this? Because I have product-like issues. Like, And she, she would be maybe give me addresses or contacts. You know what I mean? There's a more human side that is coming back like nowadays working in fashion is not only excuse me for the term bitches but it's just kind and nice people that just want to to move forward because we love our industry and we just want to show that it can be also that sustainable business and industry well maybe i'm maybe i'm naive i mean i think it's really heartening to hear that you know you as designers you know that are up and coming are, are helping each other and, and lifting each other up i think that that's a really positive way of, of looking at the industry i did notice for somebody who you know somebody who's who's got you focused on all different things is that you don't have an actual website up yet what is that What's going on then? Yeah, um, we are thinking to, it, it has been in the process for a while, but we didn't find the, the good time to do it mm-hmm. because we had so many projects. There were LVMH Prize, after that there's Andam, after that we're dressing uh, Lady Gaga or Taylor Swift, so you know. And I also like to deal with stuff myself. <laughs> so <laughs> I uh, really want to build the website the way I want. So it's taking time, you know. I really thought it was an easy things to do, but it takes a lot, a lot of time. So the website is on its way, and it's it's a lot of work because you have to buy this license, and then you know it's a, it's a yeah, it's a lot of work. But I think this situation is just uh, highlighting the fact that as you are telling me it's time for a website for sure like but well, also that, the website- that falls along with the question of you know the direct-to-consumer possibility exactly. in the future i mean i mean i think that that's really the direction we're going to be going in where it's less seasons less you know drops all the time and more storytelling and more d2c but i wanted to get as somebody who's up and coming i wanted to get your thoughts on it yeah i i for me for me as a young designer Uh, I think it's the future, not only because I've been lucky enough to have very good partners like Bundeshop, Matches, Moda Operandi, you know, uh, those uh, people 
are really like helping me building my business. But if you are not in my shoes and not that lucky, I strongly believe that you can uh, set up your own website and you will also learn directly from your client, you know, because most of the time what we think as designer, you know, we have our a dream jacket in our mind, but at the end of the day, it's just the t-shirt with the logo that sells. And it's very enriching to know why is this t-shirt successful? Why is this my bestseller when I spend hours uh, making this beautiful dress? And then you learn along the way. So I, I honestly think also that, as you said, uh, what we're gonna, what is going to happen is that spring, summer, pre-fall, capsule, whatever, this is not going to be relevant anymore. It will be more uh, on Instagram. Hey, here, we have new product, go check it out. Yeah. You know, like yeah. drops. Because uh, what the way we were uh, working at uh, Louis Vuitton, for example, is that, of course, you have Nicolas Jesquier. And at, at my time, it was still um, Kim Jones. Mm -hmm. They have to follow that very uh, strict uh, calendar. But I was working on the permanent collection and we just had drops, you know? We were not following any season. It was just drops. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's see. Okay. That's, that's, yes, let's see. Fingers crossed that we move more in, in, in that direction. Mm -hmm. And I agree. I mean, the other thing about having your own site and, and D2C is that you also are in control of your data, like you were saying. Whereas if you're going through a third party, you don't, you don't know what sells or the feedback that the clients are giving you unless they decide to give it to you. So you're giving your power away to a certain extent. But um. yeah. So I think something that um, is interesting is that the reason why I personally show during Paris Fashion Week or um, have my showroom at the time is because the buyers are there. They are in Paris. That's why I, I choose this time to show them my work. You know, but if I wouldn't have any retailer, then I, I don't think I need a specific time because I can reach people, I don't know, in Alaska or in Shanghai with my Instagram. Mm -hmm. So there, we, we are, my generation, I think we are really at that, at that point where things are going to switch and then generation after me everything will be in place i yeah. think i think it is very much a tipping point all right yeah. um tv and i want to ask you now my five generic fashion questions that i ask every single person that i've interviewed during during these podcasts so my first yeah. question is what is your favorite piece of clothing that you own that you cherish above all others oh my god well i recently got it okay so i think it's the bracelet that i gave to my mom and i have the same very cheesy but <laughs> But yeah, or uh, yeah. people are telling me that I dress like Steve Jobs. So I would say a turtleneck and a pair of denim trousers. Yeah. <laughs> it is true that one of the things I remarked about you when I saw the, your coverage, when you're being interviewed, you are very reserved dresser in comparison to your very, you know, elaborate <laughs> designs. It's very, it maybe Once again, I don't want the attention. To, we are not talking about my face or me as a person. We're talking about my product. And I get that so often. Oh my God, you don't look like what you design. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm not going to like bleach my hair or <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I stay very natural. <laughs> Let the work be Speak for itself, exactly. Let the work speak for itself. Um, all right, the next question is, people don't have a ton of money to spend on clothing, but if there was one piece that a man or woman should really invest money in, what would that one garment be? 
a good pair of shoes. Why? I because I personally find myself uh, spending more money like on a pair of shoes because I know I'm gonna. I don't know. I don't know why shoes, but uh, it's really like something that I personally know that I have the same pair of shoes and I bought three times the same pair of shoes because I always wear the same pair of shoes. So <laughs> yeah, in the exact same way. When I find something that I love, I buy it in bulk. I mean, people might think I wear the same black jumpsuit every day of the week, but it's three of them, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's maybe because I found myself, for example, it's a very practical uh, thing, but if you're gaining weight, like you have to change your size of t-shirt, of trousers, but shoes, once you're 40, you always stay a 40. That is a so. very good point. I will tell my husband that the next time I buy a pair of shoes. Yeah, you um, see? <laughs> Uh, my next question is, um, who is your favorite designer, living or dead? Robert Piguet. What? He's my favorite designer. Yeah. Explain. So Robert Piguet, I think I like him because he was like me, a Swiss, who moved to Paris to set up his haute couture house. And he had cancer, so he decided not to carry on his legacy and to shut down his house. And uh, funny enough, Christian Dior was his intern. Mm -hmm. So I always say, like people are asking me, who's your favorite designer? I really love the work of Robert Piguet and it's Christian Dior as well. They're, they're my favorite, yeah. What trend will you never follow? To be honest, any trends. Because here's the thing with trends. They put you in a, in a time and therefore it's not sustainable. I'll try to explain myself. The reason why we don't follow trends at Germanier is because we are trying to create a timeless sequin dress, a timeless skirt that is relevant in 2020. But if you wear it in 20 years, it's still a gorgeous dress or skirt. You know what I mean? As soon as you follow trends, it implies that next year it's it's trash. Does it make sense? It makes absolute sense, and it's and it's definitely feels very modern in, in an approach to a fashion business, especially a sustainable one. Also, if you look at uh, what we're doing, we are upcycling. Like it was very funny because last season we upcycled sequins, a sequin color that was from last season. So it means that we are already dated because I'm using something that was trendy last year. So you know what I mean? We yeah. don't follow rules. We don't follow trends. It's not relevant. No, I agree. I agree. That's very smart. And then my last question, Kevin, is what do you love most about fashion? I think uh, I have in my little Swiss brain, a woman that I cannot, I'm obsessed with her. And the reason why I love fashion is that every season I try to dress her. You know, I, I, every season I'm making clothes because I'm like, oh, she's like that. Oh no, she changed. So I'm really like obsessed with her. And I think fashion now, I honestly, it sounds so cheesy, but I think it's the way you express yourself. If you look at the situation right now, everyone is on Zoom or everyone is staying at home wearing t-shirts and joggers. But I strongly believe that once this situation is over, people will get back to this, the way they enjoy dressing themselves. You know, even if we are in a Zoom meeting, now you're wearing a pink top, it already makes you stand out, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm realizing myself after 28 years that it's really a way of expressing ourselves. 
I know. I, I love seeing all of this coverage of people dressing up to take their trash can out to the curb, you know, and, and posting photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kevin, mille merci. C'est un plaisir. It's wonderful to talk to you, and I hope to do it in person sometime soon. Of course. Thank you for having me, and the best of luck with everything. Stay safe. Thanks. You too. Big kiss. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.